0: Hello there, welcome to another episode of Wav1 Deep Dives. This episode was a little unusual because um, in the last two episodes, we were talking about the subject of intelligent infinity and contact with intelligent infinity. And in this particular episode, uh, well, basically eight days prior, uh, one of our members uh, attended a ceremony, which included some ingestion of psychedelics, which led to a series of events that led to what we believe was a contact with intelligent infinity. So it was kind of an excellent testimony. To start off this episode with a sharing of that particular experience.
1: Um, Nathan, I can fill you in a little bit. Um, yeah, please. Yeah, I had a, um, a, a pretty profound experience. I would say the most profound experience of my life, actually, on, on Monday. Um, we had sort of an impromptu journey. Um, didn't really expect to do that, um, especially not that day. Uh, but there was someone present who. Um, who threw it out and um, we were all pretty receptive and went, yeah, sure. Let's go ahead and do that. And after the weekend, it seemed, you know, kind of like um, unusual to do it kind of right there after a a weekend of, of
0: journeys. Um, So it was Bufo Saturday mushrooms, Saturday night mushrooms again, Monday.
1: Yeah. And, and MDA on Sunday night. And then all, and then we did mushrooms again on Tuesday uh, as an integration of what had happened Monday night. Nick, are you with us?
2: Uh, I believe so.
1: Yep. Sounds Good like you.
2: it. Okay, okay, here we go. Start video. There we go. Oh, there
1: you go. So, Nick, I was just um, filling Mike and Nathan in on uh, an experience I had on Monday. Um, we ended up doing an impromptu Mushroom ceremony that we nobody had planned on doing, but one of the people that's kind, right? Uh, <laughs> one, of the, one of the people that was in our groups, you know, suggested it, and um, she had been pulling tons of just amazing ideas and energies and all kinds of things out over the weekend. And so we went, Yeah, sure. Okay, that resonates. And um, first of all, it was raw. Um, so there's a difference. That's a little kind of a tangent, but um, you know, so we all had about 35 grams of raw uh, penis envy. And, um, but given that we 35 grams of, each? Yes, of raw. Not so dried. Not dried.
2: I, I don't know what that is.
1: It's so weird. the mushroom's about 90% water. So when you dry them out, you lose gotcha. about percent of the weight. So okay. that would have been the equivalent of about three and a half grams or so. Gotcha. Given that we had done a mushroom journey two days before, we were, you know, thinking that we had a little bit more tolerance going on, probably than than we did in that moment. Um, anyway, so um, we were listening to a guided meditation, and I kind of slipped into that. Um, was feeling moved by that, and this is actually what's very germane to this call, and what I was hoping to get some of your guys's insight on. Um, I was very aware in that moment before I slipped into this other state altogether of what it was that I was letting go of, what I was releasing. And it I didn't know it at the time, but I'm pretty sh- I feel like it was the, the significator aspect of consciousness because there was this part of me that I became aware of, was basically just watching observing recording more or less in preparation to deliver this information now again that information and the experience hadn't even happened yet so keep in mind that as i'm kind of slipping into this and and just feeling the emotion of it really just the initial movement and an emotional experience that i didn't know what was about to happen so even just the emotional experience itself was what i started to release into. And by, and, and by that, what I mean is that the need to, to record it or to describe it um, was, was released because I, I became aware in that moment that that's what was holding me back from, from fully surrendering into it. And so I've never that I can recall consciously or intentionally separated those aspects of consciousness or left that one behind and just went you know i'm going to give up my attachment to be able to explain whatever experience i'm about to have and again remember that at this time as far as i could tell it was just a moving meditation really that was all it was just a you know really moving experience but i decided that i was going to just i was just going to sink into it anyway and just say you know whether i can describe it later or not doesn't matter and then when i did that when that happened um that kind of movement of of emotion intensified amplified and moved into over a pretty short period of time um the energy of me expressing um toward myself um i found a really great uh quote Um, This is actually on samadhi, uh, a non-dualistic state of consciousness in which the consciousness of the experiencing subject becomes one with the observing object. And that's what I can say was that in that moment, as I slipped into this space, there wasn't, there wasn't me and something else. And yet there was the energy of me giving to myself. And so I sort of reverse roles is kind of what it felt like, but there was not a self separate really from me. So I was giving it, I was expressing it. And so as I start to express this love of self and kind of this exalted um, feeling toward the self, I was just presented with waves of basically unbearable, almost unbearable ecstatic bliss for about two hours and could not really function for most of it but i could come out and i I came out a number of times to kind of to explain what was going on to the other people in the room who also by the way started having incredibly powerful experiences at the same time so three out of the four really the the fourth was was the one kind of holding space and and i think um, helping all of this to unfold, and the other three of us just basically descended into having you know, lost um, lost most of our connection to the self. Certainly, that was my experience. I can't speak for the other two, um, but I was able to drift in and out of that quite easily. So I could, I could say, wow, I understand, well, so many things in that moment, but I said, yeah, if I was God, I would be doing this all eternity too because it's it's just it seems like it has to be the the highest possible experience certainly that i'm currently capable of having i have no idea where it rests on the pantheon of experience and consciousness but for me that was certainly the very highest vibration
0: this would be a perfect time to recap session 34 which i think we covered maybe in the last one or the one before and just see if this matches up with what you experienced sure this is this is why I thought we could start out this way with this particular discussion. Um, so the question was, um, you stated in an earlier time that penetration of the eighth level or intelligent infinity allows the mind-body-spirit complex to be harvested if it wishes at any time, any time space during the cycle. When this penetration of the eighth level occurs, what does the entity who penetrates this experience? And Ross says, the experience of each entity is unique in perception of intelligent infinity. Perceptions range from a limitless joy to a strong dedication to, to service to others while in the incarnated state. The entity which reaches intelligent infinity most often will perceive this experience as one of unspeakable profundity. However, it is not usual for the entity to immediately desire the cessation of the incarnation, which is kind of what they were saying, I think, when they're talking about being harvested. Right. Rather, the desire to communicate or use this experience to other, to aid others is extremely strong. Yeah, I would say that that was definitely very present and not only that
1: i have to say that i had a very very profound sense of gratitude and appreciation for the journey that is the experience of every other consciousness and certainly the people who were present you know here especially but um, a newfound appreciation for the intrepid work that each and every soul is doing in every moment to unfold this this discovery of what it means to be that this one infinite creator is um constantly discovering about itself
3: i think it's perfect that you brought up that term samadhi there because in hearing your experience and then looking back at the quote that mike just pulled up i mean that's what's ringing in my head the whole time through there it's different stages different levels of samadhi but it sounds like what you were at was um a fairly high level too so they talk about some of the yogis who get to that stage they have a hard time pulling themselves out at certain stages because it's just so blissful, so enjoyable. So they almost have to leave something back in the real physical world here to to keep them um, staying. But then it's also the draw for service, too. But, yeah, that sounds like a beautiful experience.
1: Oh, it was for sure. I can tell you that my, I, I've deepened my detachment to the material world quite a bit um, which, I, which I've done a lot of work just in intentionality already. So I would not say that my attachments to the material world are, um, are very encumbering. Um, things have tended to neutralize and level out. Um, so there's sort of the spiritual path and pursuit and divine union as priority and everything else is just um, opportunity for growth. And so this experience like so completely cemented that, that I just, you know, I, it was so more obvious than I had already known before that there's just absolutely no experience in physical form that can touch what that was. And I certainly felt that in that space, I was not in space time. Um, it's hard to um it's hard to describe because one, I don't have a very visual experience. And so I didn't have a big visual experience of it though. There was, um, I can say that what was very present, there's sort of almost like a shape. And this is probably just how my mind was sort of interpreting the energy of this weird, as I express this divine love, I'm, I'm receiving this ecstatic Of and then having an ecstatic experience because of the love I was receiving, it felt very clear to me that the act of the expression of love is where all of the ecstasy was coming from. And so I could understand um, in that moment how this energy becomes the creative um, energy, probably intelligent energy, that forms all things it felt just so completely primordial and pure that if you just if you could subtract every possible thing that you could be aware of from your your consciousness and have only an all-enveloping experience of of simultaneous giving of of copious endless amounts of love. And as you're giving it to that extent, which is so easy to do in that space, you're just getting, you know, bowled over with, with this ecstatic bliss. And, and a lot of times that I, I wanted to stop to explain kind of what was going on. I would also not, and I would just sort of, you know, cause I knew that this describing it thing is what then brings this other aspect of consciousness in. And I would just go no, I do want to stay here. I'm actually just, you know, really enjoying this, but I wanted to share it while it was happening to make sure that if I had not remembered it very well or something like that, that I wanted to make sure that I had, you know, communicated it to somebody.
2: Right. I always, when I have those, I write it down Mm. so that I don't stop or interfere with other people's experiences, but I keep trying to write the essence of it down so you can go back and read it. We actually had a uh, we called it the Deemster journal where we would uh, when we would facilitate uh, DMT to people because it sounds like you had uh, the experience that you have when you have a full blast off with DMT, except you had it slower so you could like be present for the entire transition over whereas when you have that full blast off you're kind of there and you have all those experiences without having that that transitional phase. So we would hand people a journal and say, you know, if you, if you feel, you know, inspired to write, and, you know, and we'd like to keep this journal, but if you feel inspired and you want it to be yourself, we can just rip the page out. And, uh, but the writing was, you know, key because I, I always felt like I have to remember this. I have to remember this. And in thinking, I have to remember this, you kind of pull yourself down and out of it a little bit. Mm-hmm.
1: Exactly. That's because your your will are yeah. separated and going, okay, I need to to pull all this in. I'm going mm-hmm. to have to, you know, make it sense of it, you know, that kind of thing. And yeah, it'll definitely um, pull you out of it. So
2: I know the suggestion is that you said that you had that feeling and that you wanted to come back so that you could share that feeling. You know, it sounds like you were at that place where the one infinite creator had the thought of awareness and then thought, well, what if I wasn't pure love? And then started the cycle of experience, which we're all in now. So it was it, almost like you went back to that place and you were like all right been here done this i have to go back to the physical world and take this with me.
1: Yeah, it it felt and and there was there was um at least two times i think during it cuz i'm like breathing really really heavy um that had the the childbirth you know feeling of the experience and though the way that i've kind of described it was that it was literally like the opposite because it was excruciatingly ecstatic, so it was. It was the intensity and amplitude were just absolutely immense. But it was the polar opposite. So this had me thinking of of a lot of things, like the the biblical scriptures that say that childbirth is going to be in pain moving forward. And if you if you look at again the tree of life and the probabilistic unfolding of the four phases, direct light, and all that, um, these. Um, um kind of steps down through consciousness um that felt like the most primordial thing that i could possibly imagine because there was literally nothing else and it was me and this desire to bestow so a lot of the things that i've learned have been clicking in the last week if if that's what the kabbalists mean by um so they call it receiving in order to bestow. And for them, this is to become the Adam Kadmon or you know, Christ in manifestation, basically the highest state of consciousness that you can have here. Um, for them, it's achieving godhood more or less in parallel in that you are um, in bestowal. I had resistance to this concept um, for a, a number of months after I had first started studying the Kabbalah last year, because this part of me is listening to them say, well, God creates us as the will to receive, but we're free will. So we get to decide, no, we want to move into bestowal. And so we stop receiving the light. That's like, um, you know, that part makes sense. And yet what the Kabbalists say in order for us to become like God is that we need to move into bestowal, But in order to bestow, the only way that we can bestow is by receiving because that's we're going to bestow satisfaction upon our creator by receiving what it has. Um, And I had resistance to that because I'm saying, well, you literally just told me that I'm, I'm created by my creator as the will to receive. So why don't I just want to receive? Like, I could just do that. I, you know, I'll just receive everything the creator wants to give me. And so I had this resistance to why the Kabbalists are like, no, we want to be like God. We, we need to be in bestowal. And I just sort of kind of set that to the side. It's not anything that I've decided on. It was just something I had resistance to. Uh, I have no idea if this, is, if this is related, but I can say that that bestowal, that's what I was doing. I was absolutely bestowing. And if there's, if there's some level of visualization or frame of mind that I could recommend being into, it is that if you can take all of the divine devotion and love that you have for God today and focus that inward to the exclusion of anything outside of you. So, I mean, you are taking God as separated thing and pulling it all the way into the very center of you um to where that's the only place that it exists and then plowing all that love and devotion that you have for god really into you and and this was the energy of it this is what felt like you know move that transition from a moving meditation that i was you know really emotional into this whole other thing altogether and it's the type of Thoughts and um, intention that I've had a few times in the last week um, to see if I could move, you know, still in that same direction um, while not having dedicated much time to actually seeing if I could go all the way in.
0: We have so many quotes we could get into from some of this, but what you just said there seems to be also what we were talking about last month around the subject of Carla having the blockage of the indigo relating to her sense of unworthiness. Mm. And it would seem that uh, allowing yourself to be seen as God fully is a process of getting through the, the blockage, the final blockage of unworthiness. It
1: seems so unbelievably simple you guys in, in, in that moment to, to realize that, you know, I'm the one stopping myself from receiving what, what God is, is giving and that it's, you know, I'm the only one that can change that and decide, no, I'm, I'm really worth all of it. And when I just literally just went in and, and, was able to somehow release some of these other blocks that are usually in, in place to prevent me from receiving it. Um, That's what it was. I just, it was the most indulgent. That was another word. It felt so completely, I even described it at the time as occasionally disgusting. Like that's (laughs) the level of the indulgence of like giving yourself just, I mean, it was, indescribable
2: felt like a gluttony of joy and love
1: complete gluttony absolute gluttony just the purest sort of just but again it's in this expression it's in this giving of this love not um, a, a movement toward or a yearning for and sort of receiving it it was more just like plowing it right down into myself And in that moment, my divinity was realized. It was, I understood what divinity means at that level, at at experiencing something just unimaginably perfect like that. It was like, oh, that's my divinity. That's the thing. And and to
2: to use the law of one where they say, teach, learn, uh, you know, receive, bestow, because Mm -hmm. you received that and now you're living that and bestowing it to the world around you.
1: Yeah. You know, so
2: that's that's I think how they were using that as one and the same like you separated receiving and bestowing as two separate things, but they can be the one thing, because if you receive and live in that joy, then you will bestow that joy to the world around you.
1: When you're giving it to yourself again, this is where dualism finally disappears. Um, because there's the, the energy of giving without necessarily the energy of receiving without an objective kind of relationship, but still this desire to express this love. And then the realization that, wow, as I express this, I am, you know, overcome with, with ecstasy, um, to just feel that. And and to realize like, of course, this is how the one infinite creator creates, you know the universe or all universes or whatever it's like of course if i were going to create this i'm going to in, in infinite intelligence where all things exist in potential this one infinite creator has access and knows to, uh, exactly how to self-actualize itself out of potential and into reality um, knows the very very highest vibration the very very highest peak experiences that that all of consciousness can have because again it's infinite intelligence out of everything existing in potential. So it literally says, "Oh, here's the very very best most perfect thing that could be and creates okay. from there." And that's what this energy felt was just so completely pure and powerful that it just it felt like it was instigating, that it was, you know, an initiative kind of energy.
0: So it would be fair to say you've never had any experience that comes close to this one.
1: Not even close.
0: All right. Nice. I- I would love to dive into some more of these quotes now, and yeah. this is just so beautiful because yeah. I feel like, so what I want to figure out now is, were you experiencing the higher self in that moment? And what, what does the of one say about the magical personality? And is this what you were stepping into? And is there a way to integrate your current personality with magical personality through taking the steps of working with the, the deeper mind in more ways? And becoming more integrated so the integration of what your experience into your current reality is kind of where i want to go with this yeah um, and I, I do feel like i've had snippets of what you described for brief brief moments in in dream states i've had i've had yeah. the vision of the the crown opening and seeing and then having this um, bestowal is a word that would make sense but it's almost as though you know it's the, for me the challenging thing is Processing my karma from that viewpoint and letting go of everything that is me and seeing the perfection of the incarnation in my past, present, future, everything as this perfect thought created, but it's not just me. It's the entire universe created from this one yeah. sort of single, perfect, yeah. powerful love. When you, when you start to give
1: it to yourself, I feel like that has this ascendant. Component to it, no matter what, because in order to give love to any aspect of the self, you would necessarily have to be at a place in consciousness that is vibrating at a higher level than that aspect of self that you would want to be giving that love to. And in my case, if I was able to to give it to myself entirely, um, I think that I shot past it. So I map these out pretty roughly on the tree of life that. Tiferet is the magical personality. This is, I think it's a, it's a larger sephira than, than maybe a lot of us think. And I think that you can be in, around, near it, um, maybe without having fully embodied all of the energies of it. So it is Christ consciousness as it's referred to, but it's also called the higher self um, because it sits really in the center of, of the soul or the oversoul. Um, of course, I consulted my Kabbalah manual uh, the next day after Monday. Yeah, so there's Tiferet there, and read the spiritual experiences of each of these. So there's correspondences, obviously, everything from colors and scents and archangels and numbers and all that for all these Um, and a spiritual experience is one of them. So, for example, you sewed down there the spiritual experiences, a vision of the machinery of the universe. And a vision does not always mean necessarily a vision vision, um, but it means that it's an understanding and you start to see the way that the universe works, for example. And so every one of these have Spiritual experience. And so on Tuesday, I go to my manual and start looking right now. We're in Tiferet in my Kabbalah class. So that's kind of where I'm sitting as we continue to ascend the tree. And so I wanted to see what these other spiritual experiences were of the Sephiroth that we haven't started studying yet and read each of them and um, understood them, understood sort of where they would fall in relation to the experience that I had. And it wasn't until I got to Keter um, at the very top. That the spiritual experience actually made sense, and it was which
2: which way are you going in your class? Are you going from up. hod up to Tiferet, or from Gabara down to Tiferet?
1: Up, um, so up. We Malkuth Sorry. at the bottom. Yep.
2: So, so what you're saying is, as you're learning and taking in this information, and you're at Tiferet, which is beauty, joy, bliss, you had that experience.
1: Exactly, but having that experience, I think I started in or around the energy of Tiferet, sort of as my state of consciousness in that moment, and I think I skipped the Ot, which is normally the the bridge over the abyss um, between the Supernal Triad above and and the soul bodies uh, below it. Um, and the again, the spiritual uh, experience of Keter was was oneness oneness as as god to know the self as god and um there is no doubt in my mind that that's exactly what that felt like uh to me not just like it like i knew that in that moment that this is godhood this is this is the true realization and recognition of one's divinity and with that realization the ability to give the self this this um unbelievable experience is actually completely simple it's actually just easy
2: you keep saying give but i want to i want to pose this just a slight key phrase turn mm-hmm. forgive i think that the the biggest way that you can get to this is to forgive yourself
1: it's you know? actually a form of of forgiving the self because you are yeah. letting go of whatever it is that you've been holding in darkness whatever those aspects of self that that you've decided make you unworthy of this light and love um, that's the stuff that's just always there so yeah 100% that forgiving it is is the key um, because once it's released then you can receive so much more of that light and love
0: i would like to discuss so for me i have not studied the you know the tree of life as much but for me uh, what the thinking in terms of the indigo in terms of the chakra system is what seems to make the most sense to me so I think this was a, um, one of the most beautiful quotes around this. Um, the, the indigo ray is opened only through considerable oh. discipline and practice, largely having to do with acceptance of self, not only as a polarized and balanced self, polarized meaning full of love, basically, polarized and balanced self, but as the creator, as an entity of infinite worth. Yeah. So oh, accepting the self as the creator, as an entity of infinite worth, this will begin to activate the indigo ray. and to well, me that's 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 the understanding of oneness with yeah. god. yeah
1: and and i would say infinite worth that absolutely nails it down and and when you're in it and you feel it like i said it's so completely simple because you're just like well of course because i'm god and i you know i'm i'm all things and of course i'm worth perfection because that's how i was created by perfection. Um, but that's- and the forgiveness
2: comes in forgiving yourself for the for the physical material third density falters that you've had along the way.
1: Oh, yeah. hundred percent.
2: I think that we're going to continue to keep coming back to this, dude, because like everything you're saying just rings. I, I read everything that Mike wanted to go over yesterday and then I reread it again today. And it just all screams the experience that you had.
1: Yeah, the last thing that I would say, I was thinking about it this morning when I was reviewing the materials, is uh, Ra and Don routinely refer to this as accessing intelligent infinity. Um, but I would humbly suggest that as you move into an experience like this, you're going to realize that it's actually the opposite. This is intelligent infinity accessing you. This yeah. is the the highest form of self becoming embodied and as we ascend in consciousness you know the the analogy is um, only so helpful because it it always leads us in this kind of mental configuration to picture ourselves floating up and away at, you know from density and form um, and and that's not what's happening at all now parts of us want to um, to have a different experience because the one here in density is so fraught with catalyst. Um, and so we do want to try, uh, something a different way, but that ascension in consciousness is not us leaving. It's the higher self coming in and, or
2: it's just the veil being removed because you've always been that higher self. It doesn't have to come in. It's always there. It's just, you don't see it. And, and you just pulled the veil up in a very conscious way. You were, you were there for the entire removing of the veil.
1: I would say that the, that the higher self is um, dormant or more of a silent observer for most people most of the time. For those of us on a path, that's very different. It's much more present more of the time and is even the activated principle um, a lot of the time as well. Um, but I think for the unconscious, you know, they're more on autopilot. And so it's a sliding scale of some proportion. So you've got some amount of your egoic structure is in control and some amount of the higher self is along for the ride and the path forward is to um to invert that proportion
2: well and this goes to the 73.5 to 73.7 that mike was suggesting about magical personality when they say that uh the higher self or the magical personality i can't remember which one they were using at the time um, when they were saying that Don was like, oh, so the higher self sets up this stuff and controls. And they were like, well, no, he doesn't control. The higher self is always there to help and will uh, will influence when asked, something along those lines. I wrote notes, but I didn't write the whole passage out. Is this mind by spirit?
0: Well, I'm, I'm looking at a few different things here. Um, I was thinking it, it'd be fun to jump ahead a little bit to one of the quotes about the... Um, the higher self essentially becoming you. Um, um, the higher self personality has its opportunity to gain rapidly from the experience and the catalytic the catalytic of action available to the third density, space time mind body spirit. Um, thus, the adept is aiding the creator greatly by offering great catalyst to a greater portion of the creation, which is identified as the mind body spirit totality of an entity. Yeah. That's the, the totality,
1: to include the monad, to include the, the inner godhood um, in all, all consciousness. Um, I loved that passage when I saw that, too. It was the same kind of thing where when you, um, although it was also a little um, uh, confused. I'm curious to see how you guys read this, too. Um, between the magical personality and the higher self, for magical operations were to call it in use it and then to even release it that one of these was talking about you know making sure that you're very intentional about releasing the the magical personality um and that part didn't quite click for me i guess because the higher self seeks manifestation in you know in all ways and um i certainly want to invite mine in to be here all the time and be the activated principal um, rather than the egoic consciousness so do you guys um, that is a great question I
0: feel like that's a question maybe we should address a little bit later Okay. But I feel like we need to set some groundwork and sure. establish although the nature of what the, the white magical systems are even
2: um, well, in, in 86.7 towards the end of that passage they just threw it in as like a side note and the whole time I was rereading this I was questioning it myself where they say uh uh the magical personality parentheses, which is the higher self in space time. And I was thinking the whole time I was reading it, I was like, is the magical personality the higher self, you know, it, are they, are they kind of one and the same? And then they answered it in that last passage you, you suggested and they just threw it in there. See now online, it doesn't have it in parentheses, but in this version of the book, the, the, the raw contact version, they have it in parentheses. So it's like, it's kind of like a foot a footnote or a side note, but it's huge.
0: Yeah, yeah. But it's, it is referenced other places. Um, but, but I guess the higher self is sort of beyond third density. And the magical personality is like the higher self in the third density taking on the form, the space-time analog, I guess. That's why they mm-hmm. say in the space-time analog
3: yeah, I thought it was more for like a specific purpose, too, when you invoke that magical personality. So it's a f- version of the higher self that you're invoking in, but it's for a specific purpose and you use it for that working. and that's why you then release it afterward is not something to to be maintained um, for longer periods then.
2: so it's like it's like the 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 crude physical form of your higher self almost. like the third density form of your higher self.
0: I guess so. It's it's almost That's like I, I do. I do think I, I kind of wanted to go back to the the sort the discussion about the sarcophagus because um, I feel like what we're talking about is increasingly becoming, um, increasing increasingly transmuting the the finite in, to to become the infinite. Uh, the the nature of spiritual transformation, this archetype. Um, it, it, is that the material world is transformed by the spirit into that which is infinite and eternal. The infinity of the spirit is an even greater realization than the infinity of consciousness, where consciousness which has been disciplined by will and faith is that consciousness which may contact intelligent infinity directly. So th- that's my comprehension of of what this means to become the magical personality more and more is is to is to a- allow that. The consciousness to become more and more perfectly refined in in the will and faith and and so that we're seeing everything with this lens of the, of this infinite spirit nature how do you um I'm, I'm trying to put together
1: the structure of what you have highlighted here um are they saying that the infinite nature of the spirit is predicated on consciousness which is see what i'm saying like they say the in the infinity of the spirit is an even greater realization than the infinity of consciousness for and then it, so that goes on to sort of
0: explain that statement right um it's the disciplining by will and faith that is the spiritual component of consciousness it would seem
1: yeah
2: yeah because yeah, it seems like it's it starts with intelligent infinity and then intelligent infinity through intelligent energy creates the the physical world, and then at some point therein it 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 gets to this each individualized consciousness, and you have to refine the consciousness to get back to filter yourself back up to that point of oneness.
1: Yeah, in order to to receive i I was saying that too, during one of the times that I'd kind of stepped out there. Um, I said, yeah, I can completely understand how this is not a vibration that that the human body can maintain, you know, at a consistent level for very long. Um, My solar plexus was was um, throbbing, I suppose, would be the best way I could put it um, the next day vibrating on Tuesday. Both. Yeah, it was it was just highly activated. um, And I felt so light this week, like especially right there in the center of me. It was this. Very unusual feeling to feel almost tingly or a little bit almost like a weird lightness or tickle. Kind of,
2: kind of sounds like that Egyptian theory where your heart is measured against the feather when you die.
1: Wow, uh, um, I certainly felt a lot lighter. That's for sure, and <laughs> and was in a much more wondrous mood as well this week, and was so engaged with everyone that that I, you know, came into encounter with.
0: I was amused a little bit, you know, I, I did some research. So, so it was me and Andrew both attended the bufo ceremony on, uh, on last Saturday. And I'm still having many experiences also. Um, but, uh, I, I looked up other people's experiences on the internet too. And I saw even the, the famous, um, self-help guru, Tony Robbins. He said he had for the 10 day window following his bufo trip he had these ecstatic experiences once per day following Uh the 10 days afterward. So, yeah, Uh I feel like it's just something, something about that, that, that I know it was, it touched me on some deep, deep level that sort of wiped out. It's like a clean slate on some level of some of the subconscious things that I was struggling with that maybe were low level blockages that I wouldn't be easily able to address otherwise. So,
1: I've been thinking of everything that went into at least my experience on Monday. And so obviously the Bufo experience was, was one of them. There were a lot of things. There's the entire path. There's everything I'm studied. There's obviously the, um, the mushrooms, um, all of that was there, but also what was very present was, um, uh, the presence of this other person who was a little bit newer to our group, um, who was, in a lot of ways um, kind of throwing a light out in the dark, I think in front of us, because she had a, a lot of really strong insights and invisibility um, and into things. She gets downloads, but she's had this kind of experience before um, uh, almost identical to, to kind of how I describe mine. And that also occurred to me that, that, that the vibration of that experience in her field is now informing the fields of everyone, of course, that she encounters. And that's something that that touches on the concept of lineage and um everything from uh guru masterhood in the East, obviously, to the handing down of you know rituals and energetic practices in Western Hermeticism. Um, Is this what we talked about two
2: mushroom trips ago, this
1: this this bufo experience you guys were talking about? Yeah.
2: Dude, I, I can't believe I spaced on that date. I, I completely give you guys the permission to beat me over the head. Like, <laughs> like no, we
0: dude, do like, you're, well, you're coming to
2: this, right? Because I
1: completely spaced on that. I know there's
0: a lot of people who would love to try it. And I feel like, you know, now that it's, I'm pretty sure it's legal in Colorado now.
1: So yeah.
0: that's And it, it's literally called the Colorado River Toad that we were smoking. So, I can't believe, oh, <laughs> you guys, just
2: please, just, it, just inundate me with texts and emails next time. I can't believe I forgot. Well, that. well, well there's also a,
1: a group for that. Um, I did try to, you know, get you connected to um, early on. Um, but there's also a cost associated with this because they, they actually get this directly from the Siri tribe in Mexico and the tribes go out and, and harvest. They the- hunt
0: frogs frogs for three three months out of the year is when these toads come up underground the rest of the time they're underground so you have this window you have to do the harvesting and they don't they don't have a farm of toads they actually go into the wild find the wild toads in order to do it that way yeah a farm so, of
2: toads wouldn't work anyway
1: <laughs> yeah so for for 200 you know per person and that was just, the the facilitator charged nothing at all that was just his cost for the 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 medicine um, you know, it's not exactly a, you know, a mushroom journey in terms of the cost associated with it, but, um, I saw there still is feel no physical
2: know. cost that would have turned me away from that experience. All Next right. time you spam me with text messages, yo, dude, you All forgot right. what we're doing. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All so right.
0: let's, let's, let's keep in mind that we're, we're going to, we're going to address also people who will listen to this later. We can, we could dive into the material now and, yeah. um, we can, uh, uh, continue to plan ceremonies and, wake people up through the medicines, plant medicines is um as the law now directs us to is in some way the it's absolutely incredible. I want to meet an interview the guy who is responsible for getting this law passed, but proposition 122 absolutely incredible. That this is now something that's kind of entering more into the mainstream that it doesn't have to be um just this shunned thing by our society it can actually be appreciated finally. yeah
2: Demonic medicine, yeah. It's yeah. coming back into the consciousness.
1: But to your point, now is the integration. So now we're we're taking these things that we learn on these journeys and integrating them with the wealth of information that we've been given by these divine social memory complexes that have been helping to raise us these millennia.
0: So I would like to start processing on the higher self now because it feels like a lot of what we're talking about is you know getting closer with this awareness of the higher self. And so... I think to start out with, we can start with um, where where they started discussing the totality. They started using the the concept of the totality, um, seemingly interchangeably with the higher self, but then they go into detail that that's not exactly what they mean when they say higher self versus totality—the mind, body, spirit complex totality. So in thirty session thirty-six here, they started out when they were asked about a definition for mind, body, spirit complex totality. They said there is a dimension in which time does not. Have sway in this dimension, the mind body spirit in its eternal dance of the present may be seen in totality. And before the mind body spirit complex, which then becomes a part of the social memory complex, so social memory complex being referenced to society in general, so there's a mind body spirit complex which later becomes a part of the social memory complex before this individual is willingly absorbed into the allness of the one creator, the entity knows itself in its totality. So this would imply the seventh density um, right before the, the reunion with all that is. There's an aspect of ourself that is the totality, that an aspect of ourself that knows ourself in totality. And then this mind-body-spirit complex totality functions as, shall we say, a resource for what you perhaps would call the higher self. The higher self in turn is a resource for examining the distillations of third density experience and programming further experience. So the totality is not doing the programming, the higher self is doing the programming using the resource of the knowledge from the totality. Um, so, So there's the higher self is doing examining of the distillations of third density experience, and the programming of further experience.
2: And then is is the next is the next quote on that one when he talks about how uh it's not programmed, it's not uh predetermining so much as it is making the guidelines. One of the quotes yeah, so. you suggested had that.
0: Yeah, we'll keep going then. Okay. Yeah. So they said this is also true of densities. So the, the programming of experience is also true of densities four, five, and six, with the mind, body, spirit, complex, totality coming into consciousness. In the course of seventh density,
1: I have a. At least, what this kind of occurs to me, anyway. I still picture the higher self sitting at Tiferet, which means that if if that's where your consciousness is centered, um, first of all, that's great. Congratulations, that's a great place to be. Though, uh, yeah, exactly. You're still there in the center, which means that in order for you to receive guidance, you've got to get it straight from the top. So, down below, when we're in Malkuth, we're getting our guidance from the higher self in Tiferet. And then, once you're in Tiferet, you're now looking um, still upward uh, for your resources. And you have to rely on the totality because that's what includes the monad at the very top, which is the true essence of your actual self. So, the higher self by itself can't really. Uh, function obviously as a as a, a sovereign being without that monad um still instilled uh within it so it seems to be looking upward to get um to get that highest divine light and guidance um from the top um just like we do from the bottom
0: i think this is relates to the magical personality integration too so i think we can we can move into that how how you know, it's like the the needing to to call upward is always there. I think,
1: yeah. And the magical personality makes a lot of sense to be in Tiferet also because magical operations happen in Hode, and um, they're executed through Yisod. But you've got to be you know balanced in order to do that. So number eight there, Hode is where all ritual and um, and magical operations are um, converted into those exact processes um, and then delivered down through you. And so in order to really function correctly there and, and access all those energies in a balanced way, you need to be right there in the center.
2: I've been toying around as we reread this with the idea of, uh, because the law of one always refers to it as the higher self, whereas a lot of other modalities refer to it as, your higher self and i think that kind of has handicapped my thinking in thinking that it's my higher self whereas the more i read this the more i think the higher self is everyone's higher self because if we are all truly one wouldn't one step removed from one still be one experiencing many Um, and like would this be that the higher self is everyone in this universe's higher self is all one because in the the thing he says 37.6 um when i was reading that one he says uh um the higher self is a manifestation given to the late sixth density mind body spirit complex as a gift from its future self the mid seventh density last action before turning towards the allness so it's like you're you're just about to turn and become the all but in looking back you are saying hey this is going to help almost like in a previous universe there was no higher self and the learning in the physical realm was so chaotic that before turning into this before turning out of the seventh density this this said "Yo, we're going to need a higher self to kind of manage what's going on in the physical realm
1: think of it in in reverse though because everything's happening simultaneously this is why this actually makes uh perfect sense the the higher self Tiferet, is created out of the supernal triad above it and so while while raw is explaining to us this happening sort of in reverse and that and that the higher self is given as the seventh density is basically ascending into the supernal triad Um, on the way down uh, which is what happened originally this goes in reverse order and hokma and bina create Tiferet and and all the fractalized um, aspects of consciousness and and physical material that come um, out of it and so they describe it kind of going back the other direction but that's because we're still thinking very linearly but these happen in in both directions those yeah yeah
2: simultaneously exactly because the place that the place that it's coming from uh, how did they put it in, in Ross Ra? Ra said time does not have sway over this uh, density or dimension I can't remember you probably said density but when time doesn't have sway over it then it does happen simultaneously but we living in a place where time has ultimate sway over everything it's harder for us to conceptualize it
1: Um, I wanted to go back a little bit to the to the higher self in terms of how much higher that self is one of these passages did actually touch on this Um, applying more to your other um, your alternate selves Um, that certainly falls into at least the the judaic tradition of the kabbalah in that um, and actually universal too uh, now that i think about it um, that you have 22 versions of yourself effectively that your oversoul is is sort of overseeing and as you ascend in any one life, or as the adept, and you can take on all these other archetypes, then you're kind of consolidating the experience of all of those alternate selves into one, but not just into one of the 22. I actually think that you're doing it for all 22. And so, what they described here in one of these is that the oversoul is what's getting you know, the, the input from each of these aspects of yourself and then
0: turning around and making that available to the others. Let me, let me read this quote here. Don Elkins asked in 37, um, does each entity have an individual mind-body-spirit complex totality, or do a number of entities share the same mind-body-spirit complex totality? And Ross said, both of these statements are correct, given the appropriate time-space conditions. Each entity has its totality and at the point at which the planetary entity, a planetary entity becomes a social memory complex, meaning we're kind of merged as one consciousness as a planet, the totality of this union of entities also has its oversoul and its social memory complex totality as resource. As always, the sum, and Rob presumably meant whole here, as always, the whole, spiritually speaking, is greater than the sum of its parts, so that the oversoul of the social memory complex is not the sum of the oversouls of of its member entities but operates upon the way of what we have called squares and what we grasp you prefer to call doubling interesting so that blows my mind a little
2: (laughs) that that's kind of the the basis of um a lot of times when i meditate instead of thinking uh expanding out and growing out and all of these things that I've heard people and and they've led great meditations, but everybody always talks about this, uh, you making yourself bigger. I always think of it as me dissolving myself back into the whole, like, you know, the whole is always there. I'm an individualized aspect of it. But when I do meditation, I don't, I don't visualize myself expanding into the all I visualize my individuated aspect as dissolving back into the all.
1: Yeah, I like that for surrender. The, the energy of welcoming in the higher self has become um, not just a skill used uh, in journeying, but actually a way of being in everyday life and moving into a state of allowance and acceptance of, of the perfection that's present in every single moment. There's There's no way that it can't, be perfect it's our understanding of what perfect is and our interpretation of um, what perfect should be at a small self level that that keeps us um, from recognizing the fact that everything present is and only can be completely perfect in in
2: that one that you have up mike they they say uh in 36.1 this second paragraph Uh, They say the mind, body, spirit, complex totality functions. uh, And again, this is this is me uh, doing that thing where I say, like, I I kind of get rid of that as shall we say and all that stuff to kind of make it make sense to myself. But the mind, body, spirit, complex totality functions as a resource for what you uh, call the higher self. The higher self, in turn, is a resource for examining the distillations of third density experience and programming further experience uh, uh, programming further experience. This is also true of the densities four, five, and six. Like like all of the densities feed up to the experience, uh, feed up their experiences to this higher self, and then the higher self taking all of it in at once, time not swaying its its opinion, has the ability to then filter back down to the third density. Uh, and and set parameters for you to have experiences while not impinging on your free will. Uh, you know, just just setting the parameters there for you to have the experience.
0: So let's just keep keep going with this. Um, yeah, let's let's go into session. Um, the very next question um, was asked: Would the mind-body-spirit complex totality be responsible for programming changes in catalyst during a third density experience, so that the proper catalyst would be added? shall we say, as conditions for that complex changed. So so here, Don is trying to talk about in the context of things changing and then the higher self somehow having a different viewpoint of what's the perfect um, catalyst. And, And Ross said, this is incorrect. The higher self, as you call it, is that self which exists with full understanding of the accumulation of experiences of the entity. It aids the entity in achieving healing of the experiences which have not been learned properly and assists, as you have indicated, in further life experience programming, as you may call it. The mind-body-spirit complex totality is that which may be called upon by the higher self aspect, just as the mind-body-spirit complex calls upon the higher self. In the one case, you have a structured situation within the space-time continuum, with the higher self having available to it the totality of experiences, which have been collected by an entity, and a very firm grasp of the lessons to be learned in this density. The mind-body-spirit complex totality is as the shifting sands and is in some part a collection of parallel developments of the same entity. This information is made available to the higher self aspect. This aspect may then use these projected probability possibility vortices in order to better aid what you would call future life programming.
1: Yeah, that's the one I was talking about. So where it says um, parallel developments of the same entity, that's what I take to mean sort of this oversoul slash, you know, 22 versions of one self living on lots of different worlds, but inhabiting um, each one, each of the um, aspects of the archetypical mind.
2: Yeah, there's a great video. Um, I think it was put out by tragedy and hope or one of the YouTube channels that puts videos and music to Alan Watts sayings. And basically the video is of a guy gets out of bed in the morning and he uh, goes through his day and then he gets to a certain point and the day starts over. And then as the day continues, just one little thing changes. Like he stops to fix a clock on the wall. And then instead of stopping to fix the clock on the wall, the next life he goes and he, he like flips his toast instead of just putting it on his plate. Like every single little decision turns, it just echoes down the line. And the higher self has access to whether you check the clock, whether you flip the toast. And it, and it, it takes a, a, an assimilation of all the different experiences and kind of puts, you know, the, the, the possibility for this uh, thing that you're trying to um, learn it says like, okay, he's gonna flip the toast. He's gonna check the clock because that seems like the best possibility for the entity to learn this thing at this, this time and space.
3: I don't know if it's the best analogy, but when I was reading that before too, I was thinking of the higher self kind of as like a guidance counselor. So in school, so the incarnation is your semester there where they're obviously directing you, guiding through whatever your goals are, whatever you're trying to become there you learn learned through this guidance counselor, and at the end of the semester, say the end of the incarnation, you then go back and talk with this guidance counselor on how what you achieved and what more you'd like to do moving forward. It's a little bit of a crude analogy because there's still some more to it, but I guess that's at least what popped in my head. And the guidance counselor then knows a lot, but doesn't quite have the um, highest level of knowledge, which would then come from the totality.
1: Yeah, I think that works pretty well. And, and the
2: guidance counselor would also have you you went through your semester, and in going through your semester, you may have learned things like, oh, I wanted to apply to Yale. Well, before you apply to Yale, you have to call this number, and the guidance counselor didn't know that. And then you learn it, you teach the guidance counselor, and the guidance counselor can teach the next semester of students, you know?
3: Yeah, yeah, I didn't consider it that other way around, but that's perfect, yeah.
1: I think that happens at the totality, actually, the totality. Yes. to to culminate that information and supply it back to the higher self so that it can distribute it among
0: these um, parallel developments of the self. So I might as well read this next one where they give the analogy of the the map. Um, The question was, um, would my higher self have a very large advantage in knowing precisely what was needed since it would know what was going to happen? And Ross said this is incorrect in that this would be an abrogation of free will. The higher self aspect is aware of the lessons learned through the sixth density. The progress rate is fairly well understood. The choices which must be made to achieve the higher self as it is are in the provenance of the mind-body-spirit complex itself. Thus, the higher self is like the map in which the destination is known. The roads are very well known. These roads being designed by intelligent infinity working through intelligent energy. However, the higher self aspect can can program only for the lessons and certain predisposing limitations. If it wishes, the remainder is completely the free choice of an of each entity. There is the perfect balance between the known and the unknown. Wow. Uh,
2: yeah, like instruction on the road. You know, you, you start a road trip and you're like, oh, I'm going to take Route 70 to Route 15, and then there's construction shutting down Route 15 50 miles in and you're like, okay, well now I gotta find another road. You know, the 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 higher self knows all these different ways. It's just you in this this time have to, you know, figure out this obstacle, figure out this lesson.
1: Yeah, it is kind of interesting. It was sort of a, a roundabout way of answering Don's question there, because they they do end up saying, sure, it'll it'll only program what it wants to. And no, it doesn't seem to jump in and reprogram during, though you would think that if the needs of catalyst change, that it would, um, that the catalyst itself is going to change as well, um, which would theoretically be designed by the higher self. So I'm, I'm still a little bit. It's scared. like the
0: roads are already all designed for all the different options, I think. I think that's yeah. the possibility, probability vortexes they're talking about.
3: Okay. So I at another point that the catalyst can and will change based on, uh, based on where you're at and based on what you've interpreted and learned from that experience, that it is constantly changing, coming from the roots of mind, basically with what's more, most appropriate.
0: That makes sense. I don't remember where that would be in the I'd, books.
3: Yeah. I'd have to look it up more, but I remember something along those lines, which, yeah, would look. Hmm. That,
2: that, that, that that quote that i'm trying i'm gonna to have to take better notes next time because i know exactly what we're all looking for i just read it i took a note on it now i can't find it but it's it's that point where he says the higher self is there to help uh but it will only directly help essentially if you ask maybe 73.5 73.7 am i in the right book i'm in the wrong book
0: Well, let's go to 70.11 here. Um, Don asked, um, would an analogy for this be that the individual's higher self is manipulating to some extent the mind-body-spirit complex that is analog to move through the lower densities for the purposes of gaining experience, finally transferring that experience in mid-sixth density with the higher self? And Ross said this is incorrect. The higher self does not manipulate its past selves. It protects when possible and guides when asked But the force that's of-
2: what i was looking for that right there protects uh uh when possible and guides when asked that was the the quote that i was looking for because you know if it if it was just putting the the perfect way for you to learn the lesson in front of you every time that would impinge on your free will yeah but yeah, when then- you ask it will more almost i don't want to say directly but it will more directly guide you into the way you just have to ask you have to consciously you know want it
1: right it goes back to that surrendering to divine will that i was saying earlier the more that that higher self is invited to be the activated principle the more you're doing exactly this. You're just asking, but you're not saying, hey, I need just a little bit of insight on troubleshooting this one thing. It's more like, no, just at at all times, in all cases, in all places, I would like this aspect of myself to be the one in the driver's seat.
0: And I also think this would be great time to just skip ahead to what I wanted to say about 867 because I feel like you know we we simply do not take advantage of our higher self, uh, our higher self's guidance. Because w- w- when we're not asking for it, um, and in, in eighty six point seven, they're talking about the potentials of of uh, dreams and sleep. And it said as a mind body spirit uh, mind body spirit complex consciously chooses the path of the adept, and with each energy center, energy center, each chakra balanced to a minimal degree. Um, when the, when you begin to open the Indigo Ray Energy Center, the so-called dreaming becomes the most efficient tool for polarization. Or, if it is known by the adept that work may be done in consciousness while the so-called conscious mind rests, the adept may call upon those which guide it, those presences which surround it, and most of all, the magical personality, which is the higher self in space-time analog, as it moves into the sleeping mode of consciousness. With these affirmations attended to, the activity of dreaming reaches the that potential of learned teaching which is most helpful to increasing the distortion of the adept towards its chosen polarity so it um, seems as though working with the higher self in the sleep period having the intention to do that before you go asleep, is like yeah. the most powerful way to work the higher self. one of the most powerful i love that
1: I, yeah when i read that i i just thought that was that was really perfect because it's that's pretty easy to do i don't remember almost any of my dreams at all so i i really don't know what what goes on um, when I'm dreaming. Um, I did want to ask you guys, though, about this polarity a little bit. So as I think of polarity and its increase, one, for harvestability, we know that there's math involved there. We also know that for those that are positively polarized, 51% should not be a, a, a super high target here. And so um, I'm curious as to where metaphysically this becomes a KPI, your polarity. Um, and I know it's it's referred to in a, a number of places, including I think one that we already went over today, probably around intelligent infinity. But it, correct me if I'm wrong, but achieving 51% polarity is great for harvestability, but there is further benefit um, to pushing that polarity out as far as possible still um, probably around indigo ray activation and or access to intelligent infinity or um providing access to intelligent infinity
0: yeah you know they say the heart is the springboard to infinite intelligence so Mm. when we're talking about um increasing in polarity to me that's since, since the negative polarity is closing the heart the positive polarity is opening the heart more as you open up the heart more you're actually increasing your your energy that you're working with and and creating that that funnel into the intelligent infinity through through your heart um it's like you, the the your, your your drive to pursue to serve others so it's like why are we doing anything in this reality I think love is the reason and it's is it love for ourselves or is it love for others in the, in the one infinite creator and in, manifest through all and as we become fully you know as it's not about us anymore it's just the energies coming through us we're no longer no longer as they said jesus saw itself no jesus saw himself no longer as an entity of itself but as like a vessel a messenger for the one infinite creator or the love of the creator basically as we become just the, the vessel for that love then as we're increasing in love that's increasing in polarity i think that's the way i see it okay
2: i also think it has a snowball effect where the more that you're polarized towards love again going back to the um bestowing aspect the more that you polarize towards love, the more you emanate love, the more that other people will be tended towards love because they see it in you. And then it just has this snowball rolling downhill effect. Whereas if you live every moment in your life through love and you interact with one other person through love in a place where they might not have seen love, then they see love once. And if they see love once a day, every day, you know day, they'll start to embody it. And then it gets that snowball rolling down the hill effect.
1: That makes sense
0: so they said that um the higher self does not manipulate its past selves it protects when possible and guides when asked but the force of free will is paramount the seeming contradictions of determinism and free will melt when it is accepted that there is such a thing as true simultaneity the higher self is the end result of all the development experienced by the mind body spirit complex to that point Well, yeah, it's, it's interesting that the, the thing that stands out to me most reading at this time is guides when asked.
2: <laughs> exactly.
0: Yeah. I, I also looked at protects when possible. And of course, I'm always wondering
1: about those edge cases when Ross says something like that. Oh, well, when's it not possible? But it occurs to me that if you choose, actively choose to do something um, that incurs a, a karmic entanglement um, that needs to be work through then then you're not going to be protected from that though perhaps if somebody else makes a choice that may have an impact on you that you don't necessarily need to learn karmically that your higher self may step in and try to steer you around it
2: i got a a perfect real life experience um of protecting when possible uh i i had a friend that would just drink insanely and i mean he wouldn't do anything malicious but he would escape just situations that would not be there if you didn't drink heavily all the time until the one time he didn't escape the situation like his higher self was protecting him like okay you really shouldn't be drinking like that you really should be uh trying to go for love and and not doing all that so i'm gonna help you here All right, you're still doing I'm going to help you here. All right, you're still doing I'm going to help. And then eventually the higher self was like, all right, you need to learn a lesson, dude. And then he felt the lesson and and moved on. And I'm still amazed to this day that when he finally did have to experience the downside of all of his drinking and all that, that he didn't get more in trouble. But it's there to help when possible. But if you keep negating the lesson that you're supposed to learn, it's no longer possible. You have to learn that lesson.
1: Yeah, agreed. That's that's kind of what I was what I was getting at, um, and I think that you have opportunities to learn those lessons in easier ways. You ever feel like sometimes you dodged a bullet or something, or like something yeah. you're like, oh well, gosh, that could have been way worse than yep. I thought. Yeah, and you're like, cool, and you just sort of you know you yeah. take run with it. You feel kind of lucky, or you say, you know, a few years ago, I probably would have just you know dove headfirst into the energy of that you know problem or whatever it was, and And gotten wrapped around the axle on it and and now you know you take it in stride you see it as catalyst you balance it you know you do what you do as an adept
0: was there a reference to the board to the head
1: (laughs) board to the head
0: yeah this was it um uh the question was in some cases it seems that this use of catalyst is almost in a run runaway condition for some entities that they are experiencing much more pain than they could Make good use of it as far as catalytic nature would be concerned. Could you comment on our present condition and the illusion with respect to that particular subject? And Ross said, You may see in some cases an entity which, either by pre incarnative choice or by constant reprogramming while incarnation, has developed an esurient, which means hungry or greedy, developed a greedy program of catalyst. Such an entity is quite desirous of using, using the catalyst and has determined to its own satisfaction that what you may call the large board needs to be applied to the forehead to obtain the attention of the self. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and, and that one always made me think of the previous one we were talking about where he said, you know, uh, it's there to help when possible. Uh, but when you ask, it's really there. And I don't necessarily think that asking is you sitting down and asking. It might just be you learning the lesson, you know, and then therefore that's kind of an asking like, OK, I get it now. And then that's you kind of, you know, asking your higher self for help in this situation without actually saying something in a, in, a, in a question format.
0: Yeah. And so so they said, in the cases when a person doesn't just learn just from recognizing the situation when they need the large board to the forehead, Yeah, in these cases, it may indeed seem a great waste of the catalyst of pain and a distortion towards feeling the tragedy of so much pain may be experienced by the other self. However, it is well to hope that the other self is grasping that which it has gone to some trouble to offer itself. That is the catalyst which it desires to use for the purpose of evolution.
1: Hmm. You you trust it as and recognize it as the sacred and sovereign divine path and opportunity that you and everybody else are on, and it seems to, to be it. Yeah.
3: Even if it might look like it's rock bottom or- for some.
0: Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
2: The sacred rock bottom.
0: dark night of the soul
2: exactly (laughs) they
0: they, they also use the matrix of the spirit archetype as they call that also the dark night of the soul i think
1: um just to register my request again i would sure really love to to have a deep dive on matrix potentiator substantiator
0: yeah i'm hoping to lead up to that that maybe we can go there next time um get into the matrix archetypes yeah That'd be great.
2: I do have um, to say this because it seemed like we kind of skipped over uh, 64.4.
0: We did. That was, uh, I was considering getting too soon. The,
2: the uh, 64.4 is, you got it there?
0: Yeah. We talked about it's, this last time too, but this was perfect to segue everything together with this last statement.
2: He, uh, this is, so the last paragraph of that section, yeah. principle behind any ritual, that the principle behind any ritual of white magical nature is so uh, configure stimuli which reach down into the trunk of the mind. That is arrangement causes the generation of discipline and purified emotion or love, which then may be both protection and the key to the gateway to the intelligent infinity. And when I read this you know now whatever the third fourth fifth time i've read it uh my note was that mike is a white magician because in reading all of these passages that you sent to us in the order that you sent them to us there i I was i was texting nathan like there was so much pouring as i read through these again this morning in the in the order that you sent them so i i had to throw that out there i don't know if gandalf is the right way but we're gonna have to start calling you something man
0: Well, I I think that the, I I talked about this quote with my wife last night, actually, and she said to make sure to emphasize on this, that what this is talking about is the uniqueness of Carla Ruckert's use of her deeper mind aspect. So every individual has to kind of like develop a relationship with the deeper mind in their, with their own, their own chosen symbols, which they're working with. And so for Carla Ruckert, they used these examples earlier in this uh, around church, the song of praise, the combined prayers of thanksgiving. And most of all, they said, that which may be seen to be most central and magical, the intake of that food, which is not of this dimension, but has been transmuted into the metaphysical nourishment, which in in what this distortion of expression calls the Holy Communion. So, like, I personally, growing up with churches that give you a little cracker, a little bit of grape juice, it's like, I do not see something from another dimension when I'm looking at the little cracker and the grape juice. (laughs) But I'm getting there. I'm working on it. Yeah, It's it's coming closer and closer. And And it's interesting
2: they have in the footnote there where this was the first time that they did it on a Sunday. Or or it doesn't say this is the only time they did it on a Sunday. So it was like the the catalyst was her skipping that where normally that would be in the routine.
0: Yeah.
3: Yeah. I like the emphasis they place at the end there because this reminds me in the Yoga Sutras, they talk about creating grooves in consciousness So through this ritual, it's kind of essentially what you're doing is you're creating this groove in your consciousness that you can easily keep coming back into this state, but you're doing it through that ritual. But then it also allows you to go deeper and deeper each time, like a river kind of carving away at the rock. You know, it just keeps going deeper in there, which then allows you to eventually end up at intelligent infinity. But I just thought it was funny. I was just reading that the other day. They're talking about the grooves in consciousness. And this seems to be, at least to me, what they're what they're describing.
1: I, I agree with that, that it's a groove or, or one of these roadways that they used in this other analogy, though, um, because they say specifically that the stimuli reach down into the trunk of mind, that makes me think more that it's accessing those grooves that already exist at the higher states or, or more central states of consciousness than that you are only um, building them into your, say, third ray experience, it's more like when, um, so I'm, I'm kind of hearkening, of course, to some of the white magical um, rituals and so forth that I've been taught in the mystery school. And there's a lot of toning of God names, for example. So we're moving into vibration and toning you would have had, for example, and these are activating those grooves, I think, in these higher states of consciousness. And, and that's the part that's actually reaching down into the trunk of mind are, are the stimuli that you're doing during the course of the ritual that are, that are calling forth um, tradition and energetic investments made in these routines over the millennia. And, you and know that's that,
2: the putting on the higher self, doing the ritual to put on the higher self and doing the ritual to take off the higher self that they were talking about in the later uh, sessions you you suggested?
1: No, I think that this is talking about the all-white magical operation. So technically what you'd be doing between those two things.
0: I think it's all connected too. And I also this also reminded me of what they described. This might be unrelated, but I feel like it's very interesting that they they said that the fifth density negative entities and the fourth density negative entities work with us differently because the mechanism of the the fifth density um, is building highways, but the fourth density entities are not capable yet of building the highways into the energy web, Um, but they're capable of using that which has been left intact. Um, And this to me suggests that um, what we're doing is easier when we're using the highways, the roadways, into the deep mind that have been already established, which I think most clearly do relate to the archetypes um, that that as we're as we're working with um, some of these symbols and 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 the white magical concepts that we're we're dealing with something that is almost it, it's taken on an aspect in the deeper mind that we all share that we can tap into more more easily than if we were just to suddenly, if I were to pick up my pen and say, this is the magical pen' I'm going to use yeah. this as my wand. Of course, if I start thinking of it as a wand the same way that people have thought of wands in the past, maybe I'm tapping into something there. But if I'm just if I'm not looking at it that way, if I'm looking at it just, just as a pen, it's difficult to say that this is this is the the path to me realizing god until I until I've spent a whole lifetime on it maybe.
1: It's <laughs> kind know. of interesting that you say that Mike. I don't have to get into it right now, but I have an exact story and experience literally of using a pen in training in place of a wand and actually getting the experience of feeling the energy of it which totally blew me away and and i found out i wasn't the only student that that had that experience but um it's just funny that you say that because believe it or not you can definitely have a, a magical experience there um to your point though about the archetypes i totally agree what's happening is is the routines are um are sort of formulated and delivered out of Hode, but you're accessing the corresponding um, or, or correspondences, the corresponding um, influences of energies of the Sephira and therefore the archetypes between them um, with any one of these. So you might be calling in uh, Archangelic forces from a specific Sephira, for example. So you're, you're calling in the energy of, of one of um, these things. So you're 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 delivering this routine you know say out of hode for example but you might be invoking the energy from hesed or something like that and pulling that energy in and this makes perfect sense as far as being the adept and trying on another archetype you're that's what you're doing you're bringing the energy of one of these other sephira into your awareness and therefore actually i would say rather than bringing it into your awareness you're more relocating your awareness to where this exists in consciousness. And that's, I think, how Rod describes it better as being able to sort of try on, you know, these archetypes. And that's what the magical personality is doing. If the magical personality wants to work with the energy of Netzach or of of Hesed, then it's going to invoke the the corresponding principles, influences, um, energies that come out of that within that magical working.
2: I think Debbie said it, uh, it, it's disappeared on my screen now, but she said something about it being the stimuli in the chat. Uh, it, I, I can't see it in my screen any longer.
0: Yeah. But, it, went, it disappeared for me too. I don't know why.
2: Yeah. So she, she said it was, it, those are the stimuli to get you there. And I think that's it. We're standing on the shoulders of giants. You know, you said that you chanted the, the, the different names of God. Uh, uh Alex and I experienced that in our, um, uh, yogic training where we um i right, here she goes she's saying it i believe because you were going on a different direction oh no keep it up there debbie we'll go back and reference it the <laughs> the the stimuli like we were taught the the there's different bija mantras and without going into too much detail we sat and chanted the different mantras 108 times and then you sat with how that made you feel so it's you know you, you, you really have to start thinking of yourself as an extension of the entire human race instead of just little old me, because if you truly go and seek, you'll find out that there was a dude that sat in Samadhi for decades and came up with this way of tapping into this. Or, you know, I don't know what the equivalent is in the, the Kabbalistic training, but it seems like they all have these ways of triggering, you know, like Debbie said, these stimuli that, that are handed down from generation to generation. Right.
0: So this is said to yeah. be both protection and the key to the gateway to intelligent infinity to be able to configure the stimuli. So so it's interesting how many different references are we talking about with this, this gateway to intelligent infinity, which is also where we're talking about seeing um, worthiness, not being blocked by sense of unworthiness. And that could be related to the arrangement of stimuli so that we're no longer blocked by feelings of unworthiness not seeing god in everything not seeing god in ourselves um so yeah maybe at some point we i should put all these quotes together into like one tighter package and we can we can see if they they do activate us if we read them all one by one
2: um, the, the ones about intelligent infinity
0: yeah yeah
2: I, i'm actually i'm doing that right now i'm telling you there's like there's more references to intelligent infinity then there are sessions in the book. <laughs> 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 so that's, I actually uh, bought a copy book specifically to, uh, to, to put these all together. It's, it's getting quite filled. Mm-hmm.
0: So <laughs> now it we, seems like, no, go ahead. I was going to say, now we could probably just start jumping into more of the magical personality stuff, because this seems to be, this is like, this quote seems to connect it all together. Um, so, uh, Session seventy-three, I think, was the one that I wanted to start on. Um,
2: seventy-three point five.
0: So, and,
2: and that's the the, the seventy point eleven is a footnote of seventy-three point five. That's why I couldn't find it. But that's that's the one that you went over where they said it's there to protect and it's there to directly help when asked. Mm-hmm.
0: So, um, so it's interesting that. Uh, in session seventy-three, Don, Don was asking about the middle, middle pillar, which is what, exactly what we've been looking at here with the tree of life. He's talking about this middle pillar, right? 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 Uh, Andrew. Yeah, that's correct. Um, so, um, by the said- way,
1: I wanted to ask before you do this: um, Did they actually go into the middle pillar um, exercise specifically in the book? And if not, I have the book that I'm sure. Um, Don was referring to, because it is called the middle pillar, actually, and it was written by Israel Rigardi. Yeah. Okay. So That's the only reference, you know, very interestingly, before you read this, just to throw it out there, the um, modern mystery school teaches the middle pillar exercise called this exact same thing. And it is not um, anything like actually the middle pillar exercise that Israel Rigardi writes about, which again, I'm, I'm, you know, guessing pretty certainly is the one that Don is referring to here because Israel Regardi wrote that book in the twenties or thirties or something like that. Could you give
0: us an overview of what this is that Israel Regardi was talking about?
1: Sure. So the middle pillar exercise um, you are envisioning the tree of life within you, and then you go um, through four um, stages. So starting at the crown, Keter, um, and then going um Down, it doesn't map to exact energy centers. So it's down to kind of near the throat basically. And then um, down into sort of the center of the chest that might be between the heart and, um, and the solar plexus and then down at the root. And at each of these four levels, there's a different name of God that's intoned uh, for each, each one. So that's, that's Israel regardies. And the one that the mystery school teaches has no intonations of god names at all it's more of a visualization about seeing the tree stepping into the tree receiving the energy from the tree you kind of step back out of it then you step into a three dimensional version of it and visualize it rotating around you as you receive the energy and then you step back out of it so the it's just a it's a very different thing and what's very strange is that Israel Rigardi is in the lineage of the modern mystery school he's listed on their their lineage documentation, and he is one of the recommended authors. Though they don't recommend all of his books, they recommend some specific ones. And I've asked this is for anyone interested in in you know magical workings. Um, I've asked about this specifically because the Mystery School explains that when we get handed down rituals there's what they call keys that are being energetically transmitted to the student going back to what we were talking about earlier with lineages and and vibration being handed off in the field etc so i asked my guide through the school once i said so what's the deal with israel regarding his books he wrote the golden dawn he wrote the middle pillar he wrote all these books with all of these white magical rituals in them um, wrote it for the world said that he did that because he believes everyone should have access to magic it's a, a god-given right. Um, And yet, and is also in your lineage and on your recommended reading list. And yet, how is he transmitting these keys for the rituals energetically when he's just writing these in books? And my guide who's been with the school for, I don't know, 15 or 17 years, something a very long time, um, and is pretty advanced within the school, kind of stopped and shrugged and went, you know, that's a really great question. She said, I have no idea what is his thinking was there in trying to, you know, convey all of these rituals to people without the ability to convey the energy or the keys behind them. I still think that there's more to it though, because the school also discourages anyone from you know teaching anyone, for example, these rituals, even though you can go find them in all these books very easily. Um, because that can be sort of dangerous or whatever. And it's like, well, then what's really the case here? Can any old buddy just start exercising magic? And I'll tell you that they can, because everyone has all aspects of what you see here in them. And this is what you combine to pull together to, to pull this off. You may not be quite as good at it, but the energetic keys part is still a little bit of this unknown for me when it comes to the rituals themselves and whether or not that's a requirement of actually teaching them.
0: It could be that everyone's rediscovering them in their own time, right?
2: Yeah. If you give yeah. someone, if you give someone a, a, a hammer without teaching them how to use it, they smack themselves in the head with that accidentally. You know, they're going to do more damage than good.
1: Well, or they'll do they'll do nothing, or they'll they'll be um, working with their intent incorrectly, perhaps, and and then get discouraged with the results. I mean, I could see a lot of ways that it doesn't work out the way that they might want it to. It's a little difficult to see how with some of these rituals you can just go completely wayward, especially all these ones are all white magic. So I mean they're, you know, protection and clearing and healing and and all of those. So it seems difficult to see how people can misuse these particular rituals.
2: I think it's pretty analogous to Ra saying that he came to the Egyptians and tried to help And then it got contorted and now his karmic is entangled with our karma. You know what I mean? Like it it could be something along those lines where you mean good intent and you think that the thing can only be used with good intent, but you don't know how the person's going to use it or if they're ready for it.
1: Yeah, they could use it incorrectly. You can try to use magic uh, to impinge on somebody else's free will. And I don't see any reason that it doesn't work. I would say that you, you're getting outside the bounds of white magic at that point. But um, really, with your intent and your will, uh, y- you know, you're, you're doing it. You're, you're, you know, performing magic right now in every moment. So it's, it's always happening. And I suppose if you put the, the will and your intent and particularly any routine specifically that has a physical component, Um, together, then you could use that to infringe on somebody's free will. And, you know, of course, that would be discouraged. And it might just be that you're not particularly good at it without having been handed the keys for any particular magical working, but you could always go read it and then just go practice it and do it. So I, I, there's none of this that should be entirely inaccessible for anyone, but I think you guys hit the nail on the head that you could probably build it yourself. It would just be really really difficult and you'd have to be extremely devoted to to figuring out how the stuff works whereas um, maybe getting the keys handed to you might shorten that a little bit
2: also you just said it where anybody can go find the book and read it and learn it themselves what does that sound like that sounds like the person has to go and ask their higher self for help you know like the higher self is there to protect and when asked You know, like if they don't do the the work involved in the asking, i.e. going and getting the book, reading the book and, turn, you know, you can give them the magic and they can inadvertently use it as black magic because they didn't ask. You know, they didn't put the work in that's required as the prerequisite for you to fully understand what's going on with it.
1: Yeah, could be involved. That's um, that's where things get a little dicey.
2: And this, this passage that Mike's on right now, or that this is a perfect example. Uh, you know, he asks this big long question, and Ross says no, and then he has to he has to actually go in and say, "Well, could you tell me how I'm wrong?" And he goes, "Yes." Well, could you please do that? You know, like he has to yeah. ask him.
0: Yeah, it's yeah. yeah. his free will preserved in every moment.
1: All right, exactly. Mike, why don't
0: you go ahead and read us through this one? Yeah, I'm just going to clarify for people that we're talking about this book. Um, or books by Israel Regardi, who's he's out there, but very few people have heard this name. Very few people know about these things.
1: That that so, one right there at the top is the middle pillar, the orange one. There you go. The uh, second yeah. one. Yeah. That's the one I have. It's a it's a wonderful book. It says there in the, the balance between mind and magic. Um, so psychology was still very, you know, new, believe it or not. Kind of when he was writing about this, it was sort of the latest craze, and he was stitching it together and realized that that the whole practice of psychology is about cleaning up the mind which the magicians have been doing for centuries and he realized that these really just come together in that once you clear up the mind then you'll be able to function as a you know fully activated
0: creative being all right so in considering this is what don put together in his concepts and then i think that on and to untangling don's concepts along with him is going to be useful here that's why I, n- I normally wouldn't want to read something they say this is incorrect but this is the starting point at least for venturing into this um and considering the exercise of the middle pillar i thought it to be wrong and that the adept sees or visualizes light moving downward from the crown chakra down to the feet has stated that the creator enters from the feet and moves upward and that the spiraling light enters from the feet and moves upward it seems to me that an adept alerting light strength and visualizing use of this would visualize it entering in the direction of the feet and energizing first the red energy center moving upward is this correct and ross says no and then there's a ask, ask for clarification and ross says there are two concepts with which you deal the first is the great way of the development of the light in the microcosmic mind body spirit it is assumed that an adept will have its energy centers functioning smoothly and in a balanced manner to its best effort before magical working. So this is referring to having the the energy um, from, from toe to head, basically already balanced and working together in a harmonized fashion.
1: And this, by the way, is built into the Mystery School um, teachings as well. So before all, all magical operations, there's a specific um, meditation for activating the energy center. So that's actually really interesting that um, that Ross calls that out here. That that's a specific part of the protocol
0: because that's true. Mm-hmm. And this is probably the most work people stuff to do right now is is clearing out their energy centers and becoming mm-hmm. a balanced being. And all all magical workings are based upon evocation and or invocation. And Can you compare and contrast those for me? Let's 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 just go straight to uh, let, let's see if Wikipedia has something for us so wikipedia would say that evocation is the act of evoking calling upon or summoning a spirit demon deity or other supernatural agents in the western mystery tradition Um, and then invocation is to call on invoke which may take the form of prayer form of possession conjuration self-identification with certain spirits so it seems like this is an inward and outward thing. But um, I know this is also, um, there's many different beliefs on this too. Um, but but let's see what Ross says here. And then and we can come back to other, look up other definitions of these. I've, I know I've seen a few different, or unless, would you, Nick or Nathan, like to give any comments on that too? I would just comment that the, uh, the,
2: the, um... Let's see. I had it here. The the upward and downward spiraling uh comes up in the uh, in this. Where is it at? I'm gonna have to definitely take better notes next time. 73.8, where they talk about uh how it goes with the parasympathetic and the sympathetic, but I mean as we read, we'll get there. Yep.
3: I'll reserve as you keep going. I think I had something later.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um the first invocation of any magic working is that invocation of the magical personality, as you're familiar with this term. So this is like becoming the higher self In the working of which you speak. The first station is the beginning of the invocation of this magical personality, which is invoked by the motion of putting on something. Since you do not have an item or apparel or talisman an item of apparel or talisman, the gesture, which you've made, is appropriate. I don't know what the gesture was, actually. Um,
3: I thought it was simply just pulling pulling the arms down like you were placing I, I thought I remember Jim talking about that before, but just the act of placing something on your on your body there was was the invoking,
0: yeah I, yeah, they, they've talked about I think a ring too. i I started bringing a ring in my pocket for this purpose. so it's like there's a ring that I only wear when I'm ready to be this magical personality and then I take it off right afterward. I've I've tried to work that into my practice a little bit. Have you bit.
3: noticed because I've I do the same thing with I've had this dedicated uh rejection necklace that I use only for the times of when you're meditating and wanting to put on that higher self, that higher pers- magical personality. And I've I've definitely noticed differences in, in meditations. It seems to when we were talking about get you more into that groove state of consciousness. And um yeah, I I I've noticed a difference, I guess is what I'm getting
0: at. Yeah. Yeah, I think that this this is kind of like, well. There's the
1: stimuli that reach down into the trunk of mind. And right. You yep. Stimulate, you know, that experience.
0: Yeah. So, um, Andrew, when they say the first um, station and second station, do you think that's talking about um, anything to do with tree of life?
1: Yeah, so what I'm getting here, if this is, if these first two specifically are, again, kind of falling in line with the Western Hermetic white magical traditions, then um, this one, certainly with the gesture, I could see um, the affirmation to healing, at least is what's taught in the Mystery School. The second one, the Great Cross of Life, I'm pretty sure, is the Kabbalistic Cross. So this is Um, this is always, always, always done. In fact, there's two forms of it done, um, and you do them back to back and you always do this, um, at the beginning of, of any magical operation. And so this is, um, uh, the same as, um, the, the Catholic cross, although you do, um, you do the forehead, um, and then the bottom. So it's, um, it's, uh, Atta, Malkuth, uh, Vegebita, Vegejula, Leolam. Amen. And so, Atta is thou art, Malkuth is um, the the kingdom, um, and Vegebida is the power, uh, Vegejla is the glory, and Leolam is uh, forever. Amen. So, this uh, to me seems like the Kabbalistic cross.
2: Yeah. Wait, can you just say that? Just the English version? It was, I am the kingdom well, of or thou sort art.
1: Yeah, thou art. Thou but... art, yeah. Uh, thou art the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. And that's that's telling. Um, the, and they call it an evocation here, which is kind of interesting. But you are talking to the higher self. You are affirming its claim of divinity. I like it.
0: So the second station is the evocation of the great cross of life. This is an extension of the magical personality to become the creator. Right. Again, all invocations and evocations are drawn through the violet energy center. This may then be continued towards whatever energy centers are desired to be used.
1: Which, again, makes me go back to once you begin the, the magical working, once you've done these initial things to, to get into that headspace, you can call upon energies from anywhere in the tree, or, which also map to energy centers. So that's kind of how I read this: that you may be, you know, looking to to pull in something around NetSoc, which means that you're working around the solar plexus energy center.
0: This is probably something we should get back to another session, since we're getting lower on time. Um, this is, yeah, it's such a huge subject. The white magical um, subjects in the Law of One, too. And obviously, the, the whole subject itself is many, many volumes of information that I'm very, I'm very much a beginner in these areas. Um, so the only other things I think I wanted to cover were, um, I think I wanted to talk about some more of the magic personality foundations that they that they were laying here. Um And 75.36, I think, was the next one. Um, And they said, when the magical personality is properly and efficaciously invoked, the self has invoked its higher self. Thus a bridge betwixt space-time and time-space is made, which is worth discussing on its own. And, And the sixth density magical personality experiences directly the third density catalyst for the duration of the working. It is most central to deliberately take off the magical personality after working in order that the higher self resume its appropriate configuration as analog, the space, time, mind, body, spirit. So yeah, this one kind of um, was a little bit of a head scratcher
1: for me too. And I don't know if it's maybe semantics here, but um, I get what it's saying that we bring in the higher self. This allows it to get direct access to catalyst in, in third density and and um, and not have to assimilate it, for example, through the lower self or, or something like that. So all that part makes sense, though. What I'm not quite getting, I suppose, is it doesn't seem that right in the middle of a magical working, literally, because that's the only time that, that the higher self here is present, that there's going to be a ton of catalyst. Now, you might create catalysts because you might be using magic inappropriately or something. But let's say you're not and you're just performing regular you know, white magical um, operations. Um, well, I suppose to the extent that you're activating the heart chakra and doing this in service to others, that that's that that is catalyst, and I suppose could be directly used by the higher self. But I would contend that that level of love is already known by the higher self, and so you know, I think of catalyst as more like you know the nitty gritty, the challenge, the difficulty, you know, that kind of thing. And it's like, where's the catalyst in a magical working?
0: I think the catalyst is whatever you're holding onto in that moment, whatever you're connected Uh, to, whatever you're tied to, why you're doing the ritual,
1: what you're wanting
0: out of it. All those things seem to be rolled into it. I
1: see that. That makes sense because you are going to be bringing something into a magical working, no matter what, you've got some attachment or expectation or motivation or something like that. Okay. That makes sense. So there is something there for it to actually balance and work with directly.
0: Yeah. And And the other thing that, Go ahead, Mike. No, go ahead. No, you go ahead. The the,
2: the thing that that is, I mean, it, it's so difficult to conceptualize, but it seems like it's becoming more easy as we have more of these conversations and uh, reread some more of this material. Is it says uh, the magical personality um, is properly efficacious about uh, it. Thus, a bridge betwixt the space time and time space is made, and the sixth density magical personality experiences directly. The third density catalyst so it's not like you you start at first and then go to second and then go to third and then go to fourth and then go to fifth it's all happening at once for the sixth density personality so you living the experience the sixth density personality can can uh get a taste of the third density experience because the sixth density personality is living in a place where it experienced all those things at once and you drawing a direct connection kind of brings that to the forefront of the sixth density um, reality because the sixth density reality, it's like putting an infinitely long book in front of it. And, you know, just like reading the raw contact, I've read the whole book, but when I go back and Mike says, read this passage, you know, it's like you're reconnecting with that specific portion of the book. It's like the sixth density being is reconnecting with that portion of the third density experience.
1: Yeah, and I think the word direct here is the key because what we saw earlier is the amalgamation process that the higher self is doing. So it seems like generally speaking, the higher self is getting an indirect um, flow of, of information to amalgamate and assimilate. And in this case, it's allowed to get it directly and conceivably therefore and what it looks like it it goes on to say is that this is a higher quality uh um utilization or, or a, a higher opportunity to convert that catalyst into polarity and and healing
3: well, the other interesting part with that though is uh, another passage there Ra talks about the higher self the higher self totality and the mind body spirit complex are all three points on the same circle so you're basically connected all the time but it's just a matter of what what maybe you're receiving from each but I, I don't know i guess i get a little confused with that since they are all all connected at the same time obviously because because they're one there but it's a matter of what you're able to to receive from each i guess at different times that maybe would be the connection
2: the the thing that uh i wrote in my notes was um you know that game plinko you like drop a thing into a series of pegs and it bounces around and then eventually it hits a bottom spot it's like the sixth density being knows every possible way like if i dropped it here or if i dropped it one millimeter over or if i dropped it it knows every path and how it's going to fall but you are you are directly taking the sixth density and saying no experience dropping it here fully all the way down to the bottom Whereas the sixth density sits back from this place of all knowing and knows, it knows exactly where it's going to land if you start from here. And the third density being through its magical personality is saying, hey, help me with this specific aspect. Why, if I drop it here, does it land there? And it's like connecting your experience, which is the, the thing falling through the pegs to the sixth density, which is the entity that knows all of the possibilities. It's, it's you drawing the experience to the sixth density being directly.
1: Yep. Which again, I, I really feel sounds a lot more like full embodiment and, uh, again, probably a a topic for another, another, uh, call, but what raw describes as the the path of the adept here, um, hopefully at, at a long enough timeline, obviously, um, access to intelligent infinity or vice versa happens. And that's presumably when, you know, according to the Kabbalists, it's the Adam Kadmon or, um, you know, Christ in manifestation, you know, however, whichever wisdom tradition you want to look at. um, That to me is the goal. That's where it is that we're going. I'm just not sure that, that Rob um, spells it out as, clearly um but you would think that they would i mean they talk a lot about harvestability um more so than embodiment in a single incarnation they say oh and if you do if you're harvestable but you just you know obviously you'll want to hang out and help everyone while you're here all that makes a lot of sense um i don't know it could
0: be that they're leaving certain things uh mysterious if they're not directly asked about them there could be a lot that they haven't said that's a good point
2: and I think that that's what they're talking about here. Is where when you directly ask, you bring that to the forefront of the sixth densities um, awareness.
1: Yeah, um, the one above this is actually pretty interesting um, as well. The paragraph here above um, with that last clause. That one. Yeah,
0: um, if you want to go ahead and read it. Yeah, the self, the mind, body, spirit complex of late sixth density has then the honor duty of using both the experiences of its total living bank or memory of experienced thoughts and actions and using the resource of the mind body spirit complex totality left behind as a type of infinitely complex thought form.
1: Right. So I've got questions. Um, <laughs> one left behind Feeling the club. Right. Yeah. Left behind I'm I'm going back to kind of what we said where the seventh density um, leaves something, the higher self actually is gifted to the sixth density self. Um, and so that would, that would maybe match up there, but then it says a type of infinitely complex thought form. So, okay. So one infinitely complex thought form by itself is something that I'm not entirely sure what that equates to, but then to say that it is a type of which tells me that there are multiple types of infinitely complex thought forms, yeah. which are not always a mind body spirit complex totality.
0: Perhaps they're a mind body spirit, um, um, social memory complex totality. Also, we talked about that earlier. Uh, the social memory complex totality was distinguished somehow, an infinitely complex, so the left behind
1: part, you know, also, um makes me feel kind of like there's linearity there though the mechanism itself that just continues to exist can be this thought form but for it to be infinitely complex this you know means that it's also permanent and eternal because it's going to continue to evolve and evolve and evolve um until i guess we all melt back into one
2: that's how i always look at it like the 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 one infinite creator gets awareness and it's like the in-breath and the out-breath and the 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 awareness sparks infinitely many experiences and it's like the the higher self is 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 that's the in-breath take it in explode in the infinite many experiences and the whole point is to breathe out and bring it all back into one experience so by Using your magical personality to contact your higher self, you're bringing this one moment to its awareness for the next in-breath when it explodes out. And then you can can more quickly get to the in-breath, out-breath, if that makes sense. Like you can more quickly make the transition from infinite awarenesses back to the one infinite awareness. If that makes any sense. Made sense in my head.
1: Mm.
2: (laughs) it's like the whole point is to go as far from the one infinite creator as possible and then to come back again and the whole point of existence is to find out both how far you can go from the one infinite creator and how quickly you can coalesce again
3: yeah i think that they kind of make the analogy of the beating heart so the outward movement um of the cre- of the creation, basically, but then it needs to coalesce to come back inward, just yep. as the blood forms out from the heart to come back around. Yeah, and I've kind of correlated that to like it, don't, it. Seems like that's part of the densities too, right? So on first and second density, you're moving away from the creator or the heart in a sense, and then mm-hmm. third, when you start to polarize, you pick your path to so then service to others, service to self. Yeah. Then you start that journey back to the creator through whatever mechanism you you've picked at that point to polarize.
0: I feel like it's uh th- this is something we we'll have to pick up on the next one, going next one. diving back into the magic personality subjects. And uh I I, I could also share with you guys that I have I, I built a system into Ascension Works TV that can automatically convert these videos into MP3s and put them into podcast format. So now I have Love One Deep Dives as a podcast on Spotify and Google Podcasts and Amazon. Pretty soon it'll be on Apple, but there was a glitch there. And we can put it on anything else too, if you guys want to see it on the podcasting platform for recommending to people. That's awesome. That's
2: that's great. Yeah, hopefully it'll draw people in because, I mean, you could sit here and read it yourself and you come to one understanding and then you talk to Mike about it and you come to 10 understandings and then you bring Nathan in, it's 30 and you bring Andrew in, it's 40. But eventually, the more people you bring in with the more point of views, the better understanding you have. And, and it, the more the the wider the net spread, the more uh, understanding we'll get in the end.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: Yeah, I refer to this as building the vortex. What we do when when we get into these kind of groups, we're creating a a vortex using our comprehension and our understanding of a particular thing, a topic. And the more crystallized we can be about that, which is what we do here in this really focused mode and we understand these concepts very similar. We're creating um, a much more crystallized uh, vortex to pull the light in that we're trying to pull in. And um, I'm just always fascinated at how effective it is. This is the doubling. This is the, you know, what raw and um, and the Bible itself have been teaching us forever.
2: It's like, we're all playing tetherball on the same team. And the more people we have hitting the ball, the quicker that thing's going to wrap around the pole.
0: Yeah. Uh, Perfect (laughs) analogy.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Those of like mine, which Together Seek, will far more surely find.
2: Yeah. Were there any questions that we should address? I kind of peeked at the chat every once and again.
1: Nope. I think we covered them.
2: I'm going to have to dig through... uh, white magician's lure the, the first one that comes to mind is gandalf but i think we got a good uh, i think we got a good nickname for mike there
1: <laughs> love it all right guys appreciate everyone's time again as usual yeah mm-hmm. thank you so yeah. much
3: thanks mike thanks everyone good. Thank, you. thank you
2: thank you, See you guys